Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I am a three-time 21, Sharon. I, this is the first time I think I've officially said it. <laughs> 21, 21 year survivor. I'm also a professional speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 23-year survivor. I'm also a certified life coach and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. We're also the co-founders of Breast Friends. We've got a great guest today. Her name is Shira Litwack. And Shira, if I mispronounce your name at any point in time, just slap me virtually, okay? (laughs) Not a problem. I'm used to answering to lots of names. (laughs) Shira contributes. I'm getting tongue-tied. If I flip my tongue over, it works better. Um, Shira contributes regularly to 10 online health sites. She's regularly interviewed by the media and is the author of her upcoming book, Living Living a life to prevent cancer is the healthiest lifestyle of all. And sure, I got to say, I love that title. I think that's pretty Thank you. awesome. You're, you're welcome. She's also a health and fitness um, professional educator. I guess that means you educate people that are going to be training in that area, but we'll find out more in just a moment. Uh, Shira also designs and provides corporate health programs and speaks regularly on the topic of cellular fitness. And I don't think we're talking about phones when we say that. So so welcome, Shira. We're so glad to have you on our show today. Thank you so much. And the pleasure is all mine. Oh, awesome. Well, why don't you just take a few minutes here and introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got where you, what you're doing today, what, you know, what got you interested in this. Okay. Well, I am a medical fitness professional, which is kind of an umbrella to describe a number of things that I do, cancer exercise specialist. Originally, if we talk about the days of the dinosaurs, as my sons would call it, my original degree was a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry and Psychology. And since then, I've degreed in fitness, holistic nutrition, and addiction recovery. And yes, they are all intimately related. Um, As you mentioned, I do teach health and fitness professionals and do a great deal of corporate health work because that is a fantastic way for people to affordably you know, get the help they need beyond the superficials in terms of lifestyle. So, you know, you asked me what got me interested in. As I mentioned, I'm a science geek big time, and I'm also a health and fitness geek. And I realized by studying this concept of oxidative stress and, as I say, living a life to prevent cancer is the healthiest lifestyle of all, you know, you really connect the dots and you understand why exercise, nutrition, and as we're going to be talking about today, prevention of oxidative stress, how it works at the cellular level. And when I started this, you know, it was over 20 years ago when this really wasn't spoken about so much. Right. Yeah, I bet. That's, I, I mean, when I was diagnosed 23 years ago, yeah, I wasn't even counseled about nutrition or exercise or any of those uh, things. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's... I would also just like to say to both of you, well done. 
on your survivorship. <laughs> Very Thank you. Well done. Yeah. That's Thank awesome. you. Yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Sherry, just out of curiosity, I mean, have you always been into fitness? Like as a kid, did you run out and play? Did you, you know, is that kind of just who you were as you were being raised? Did you come from a family of fitness people or did something kind of motivate you in this direction? I think, you know, when I was a teenager, I got into teaching those typical again. You know, I'm in my mid-50s. I'm not ashamed to admit that. Um, You're a baby compared to us, sorry to say. (laughs) (laughs) When I was a teen, I got into those, you know, teaching aerobics classes and everything, which was great and a really great start. And then, of course, life happened, got a little bit less into it. And I really, as I got a little bit older, you know, I'm raising my kids. I wanted to get back into it more, but I didn't want to go back, please forgive me, to the superficialities. Right. You know, which unfortunately, you know, fitness is very often pegged into the outer facade. And I started digging a lot deeper and researching, and that's when I started getting much deeper training. Now, why exercise and nutrition work to prevent and manage chronic health diseases, especially cancer. And, you know, I started working with researchers, pushed my way in the door, and I found really my niche, my passion, and, you know, what united my, my, my two passions of fitness and uh, chemistry. Okay. Well, that makes complete sense to me. But, you know, oh, the good. thing is, when you're, when you're talking about cellular fitness, that's a new term for me. Tell me, tell me what that means. Okay. Cellular fitness. Again, we often think of fitness as the outer facade, which is great. That's a really great perk. Okay. But when we talk about cellular fitness, we want to know how the cells are functioning or not functioning, that really is the epicenter of health, okay? There's an expression out there that I found, I can't take credit for it, but it's we live and die at the cellular level. And that. Mm-hmm. that is really huge here in talking about it. And it influences our focus, our energy, our mood, of course, disease prevention, and our overall ability to function. And so something that I like to talk about is being, you know, like this chemistry and nature geek, you know, I like to talk about our inner ecosystem. And really what it's about is harmonizing our inner biology, reducing inflammation and oxidative stress, which we're going to talk about today, and working at the cellular level versus the typical biomarkers that we often talk about. So we're talking more nutrition than actually moving your body like exercise. Both, absolutely both, because as we're going to discuss, exercise is an equal partner there. Okay. All right. Good. I wanted to make sure I understood, and then hopefully our listeners will understand, too. (laughs) You know, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because, you know, going through cancer three times, as I have, and I've had all my doctors tell me, and I love them for it, they tell me that nutrition, you know, proper eating and exercise are important. 
And I think instinctively, intuitively, we all know that. But it sounds like we're going to get into the why it's important yeah, and actually right. how it's important. Yeah. Am, I, am I getting this right? Absolutely. So we can actually understand? Perfect. Good. Because I'm kind of a how and a why person. You know, if you tell me to sure. do something, fine. But tell me why I'm doing it. <laughs> and I'll determine Absolutely. if it's worth the effort. <laughs> you know, so that's good. So let me ask you then, what is cell being? And kind of discuss what that means for us. Okay. So our cell being, we talk about we're a human being and we talk about our health and we talk about, again, we very often talk about blood pressure. We talk about all of these extremely important biomarkers. Well, now what we're doing, we're talking about cell being, we're talking about what we do to nurture the cell. Because as we're going to talk about, even people who really, their intentions are the very best. They really think they're doing everything to be healthy. They don't realize that they're jeopardizing their cellular health. So our cell being is what we are doing to nurture that inner ecosystem to, as I like to say it, take that cacophony that can often be going on inside our cells and orchestrate it into a symphony. And that is our cell being. Oh, I like that. That's a nice visual. Yeah, Uh that's a great visual. So, So we hear a lot about like, alkaline environment and acidic uh, environment in our systems. Uh, Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that? And does that have anything to do with what you're talking about? It has a lot to do with it. And I'm going to say, as you're going to get upset hearing me say this many times, there's a lot of controversy over it. So I'm actually pleased that I'm going to have an opportunity to explain this a little bit better. Excellent. Okay. Go for it. So first of all, what we need to do is we need to go back to the research of a wonderful researcher by the name of Otto Warburg, who won the Nobel Prize, I don't know, sometime in the 1930s, I believe 35, and he won the Nobel Prize for Cellular Respiration. And again, let me just quote very briefly what he said. All normal cells have an absolute requirement for oxygen, but cancer cells can live without oxygen, a rule without exception. Deprive a cell 35% of its oxygen for 48 hours and it will become cancerous. Really? That's creepy. (laughs) I better breathe more. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously. So So repeat that. Would you repeat that, Shira, just to make sure our listeners got that? Oh, absolutely. A a cell with, okay, just one more time. All normal cells, healthy cells that is, Mm -hmm. have an absolute requirement for oxygen. We need oxygen, but as we're going to learn, oxygen is a seriously double-edged sword. But cancer cells can live without oxygen. Huh. And then you said 40 hours or something? What did you say about the 40 hours? Yep. 48. Deprive the cell 35% of its oxygen for 48 hours, and it will become cancerous. Oh, my gosh. That's what I thought you said. I just wanted to make sure that our listeners heard that because that's a key. That's huge. Yeah. So, okay, let's just jump right into that. Boy, that's that's exciting, but scary at the same time. So, 
So is that what this oxidative stress is, is all about? Is that? Exactly. And uh-huh. as I said, oxygen is a seriously double-edged sword. So taking Dr. Warburg's research a little bit further, he discovered that cancer cells are anaerobic, which means they do not breathe oxygen. And they cannot survive in the presence of high oxygen levels, okay? So, therefore, it's found, bringing it back to your original point, in an alkaline state. Okay, so we want to to be in alkaline state, is that right? Yes, we want to be more in an alkaline state. Our blood is normally slightly alkaline, roughly 7.4, okay? But, you know, there's a lot of talk about the alkaline diet, okay? Those who do not believe in an alkaline diet say that if the blood becomes too acidic or too alkaline in either direction, the body will automatically correct this on its own. So, yes, if we eat certain foods, we can become a little bit more alkaline or acidic, but it will stay within a healthy range by our body correcting that. Okay? Okay. So, there is a lot of controversy because there's also a lot of alkaline foods, which are very anti-cancer. It might not necessarily be because they're alkaline. They protect the cells from damage. They encourage normal cell growth and other processes which help fight cancer and chronic illness. So, again, it's not necessarily because they're alkaline or acidic. It might be because of other characteristics of the food. Make sense? Yes. And can I ask you a quick question while we're on that topic? Can you give us an example of, say, the top three foods that are good at either helping to create that alkaline um, condition or just for other general reasons are great for preventing cancer. Can, it, well, can you vegetables. just name those? Vegetables the top are really the top of the food chain. So if we look at eating our green leafies, if we look at eating our Brussels sprouts and our asparagus, you know, these are all really, really important foods. Now, a lot of foods are very good in cancer prevention because of many reasons, not just necessarily their alkaline state. So, for instance, you know, let's talk about um, let's talk about eggs, which we talk, can talk about again later on. Mm-hmm. Eggs have a lot of very valuable nutrients: selenium, vitamin D, lots of wonderful things against cancer. We also want to eat foods that are really good for our digestive tract that encourages a good, what we call, gut microbiome. Those are the probiotics and the prebiotics that we talk about. Because really, our gut is step one of our immune system, which people don't normally think of it that way. Interesting. It's fascinating, isn't it? So, So if we're eating more of our green leafies and those kinds of things, 
how does oxygen get into our cells? I'm still down to the basics here. Sorry. <laughs> That's totally breathe, fine. Breathe. Breathe. Does it have anything to do with breathing or is it actually just because of the nutrients in the in the food? That's, I guess, my, my question. Okay. Well, this is where our exercise comes in, pumping our circulation, pumping oh. okay. our muscles, and ladies just don't do enough strength training. I'm sorry. I just had to get that out there. You of know, course. Our muscles are absolutely our best friend in life. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And I know we only have a couple minutes before our break, but I wanted to ask you about the hereditary uh, genetics versus the acquired genetics. So just kind of give us a little bit of that. And if we need to come back um, after the break and finish it, we can. Of course. Okay, so people get upset here because genetics often become the universal scapegoat. And when I quote the CDC uh, that says 75% of chronic illnesses could be prevented with lifestyle, you know, it's very easy to blame things on genetics, but that's just not true. But the good news there is we have so much more in our control than we think. So hereditary genetics are what mama and papa gave us. Very simple. Okay. But in terms of acquired genetics, we have to think of, first of all, what is cancer? Cancer is not a tumor. Cancer is a mechanism. Cancer is something has gotten into those genes and damaged them and changed the way they reproduce. And so acquired genetics is damage to our genes that has happened during our lives, mainly oxidative stress, you know, Mm, and cancer that occurs because of an acquired mutation is called sporadic cancer. Okay. You know, we're going to, we're going to go out and when we come back on the other side of this break, we are going to talk about that more. And also Shira, if you could be thinking about this question, we have a lot of women that we work with who get cancer and they are physically at the top of their game they're marathon runners they eat well they do Ah. everything right their whole life they have no genetic disposition so no hereditary thing and they get cancer so when we come back on the other side of the break would you be willing to share some insight about maybe what's going on there would that be all right absolutely great okay all right so stay with us we'll be back in a couple of minutes A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a car that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. 
Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our show. We've been talking to guest Shira Litwack. And before we jump into that great question you had, Becky, before the break, um, I just wanted to ask a quick question about that um, that uh, research that you were talking about, about uh, regular cells turning into cancer cells if they're deprived of oxygen. Because I was thinking about that. If our immune system are, is working well, then hopefully those cancer cells are being... Uh, our, our bodies are ridding our um, environment of those. Is that right, Shira? Exactly. And that's why we talk about cancer prevention. Sure. We want to first and foremost try and prevent that mechanism, okay, of cells turning. But if that doesn't succeed, we want to have the immune system to make sure that we can shut down what has happened. Okay, that makes sense. So it's really, you need to be working on on keeping your immune system really sharp as well as um, this Correct. Re- reducing that oxidative stress that we were talking about in that first segment. Okay, that exactly. makes more sense. Okay, good. So let's, um, Becky, why don't you restate that question you had earlier? So basically, Shira, you know, we've been, Breast Friends has been around for 16 years and we have worked with many, many patients over those 16 years and so many of them that we have worked with, they come to us, they're healthy, they're marathon runners, they do all, they do everything right their entire life and then they get cancer and speak to that a little bit because, you know, it's just, that's a hard thing to answer. I, I you know, everybody wants a reason why they got cancer. Sometimes right. there isn't, but is there? Maybe there is a reason. That is the best question, and I'm going to try not to take up the rest of the show answering it. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we have time, so. <laughs> okay. You know, first of all, I- I'm a huge gym rat. I'm an exercise enthusiast. There is no question. Okay. My kids send around text messages when they were younger. Mom didn't make it to the gym. Don't talk to her. Okay, like, there's, there's no question, okay? Cute. But, you know, we have to realize with anything in life, we can overdo it. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're talking marathon runners, there are so many things that can go into that. Now, in many ways, running can be very good for us. But the problem is if we are over-exercising, which is a very overgeneralized term. But if we are over-exercising and we are pushing our bodies beyond that point, we could be causing dehydration. Well, dehydration, fabulous way to feed cancer cells and to starve healthy cells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're getting into that a little bit more later in the show. We could be talking about we've unfortunately proven in many studies that over-exercise can suppress the immune system. The other thing, again, and these are all things we have on, you know, tap for the show today, is very often people who, you know, stick to a certain 
diet, they think they're sticking to a great diet, but they don't realize what they think is a great diet really is not good for cancer prevention. You know, for instance, people, those low-fat diets, those low-fat diets I got everybody on, wow. It's caused, you know, it's been proven in so many studies now, heart disease, cancer, many issues. Women who don't eat the egg yolk, it kills me. It kills me when I see women just having egg whites and not the egg yolks because that's where our selenium, our vitamin D, so many, our B vitamins, so many precious nutrients are there. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. You know, a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, okay. you know, yeah, so again, we could go on and on about that. And the other thing is exposure to oxidative stress that people do not know about. Let's and just jump right into point. that again, because, you know, what are, uh, when, when you say oxidative stressors, tell me, tell me what that means. And like, is it, I, I know we talked about the food we ate, but it's also much more than that, right? It's much, much more. So first of all, let's, describe, let's define so we understand what oxidative stress is. That's an imbalance. And, and I'm going to try and like really, if the chemi- you don't like the chemistry geek, let me know. The imbalance between, <laughs> sorry, it's an imbalance between the production of free radicals, which we all hear about but don't really understand what they are in the body, and the ability of the body to neutralize them with antioxidants, and we often hear about antioxidants in the food we eat. So what's a free radical? Free radicals are a fact of life. We exercise. We produce free radicals. That's a good thing to a certain extent. It's when it becomes chronic. And what it is, it's a molecule that has a single unpaired electron, okay? And that's known as a reactive oxidative species. These free radicals in the body can create havoc in the body. So what we need to do is we need to think about our redox state. Sounds fancy, it's not. (laughs) The redox state is just the balance between oxidative stressors, those free radicals in our body, and antioxidants, which we get from a healthy lifestyle, okay? And free radicals, as I said, are a natural byproduct of aerobic cellular metabolism. And so what happens is we need to make sure we get antioxidants in our life through our nutrition, through a number of ways to make sure that we neutralize them. Okay? okay? So, again, as yep. I was saying, it's very ironic. Oxygen, which we talk about how important it is, it's a double-edged sword. It's absolutely necessary for life and for healthy cells. However, the dark side is, is that oxygen-free radicals occur just by breathing. But excessive amounts of these free radicals occur when we are exposed to oxidative stress and, unfortunately... We have a world that is positively gifted in oxidative stress. Hmm. Wow. Well, you know, you sent, before before the show, Shira, you sent us a list of some of the things that, right. that lead to oxidative stress. And right. so what I'd like to do, and we actually, I think we're going to probably end up taking this topic through this segment and the next segment. Um, so let's just kind of start, if you don't mind, maybe we can kind of go through the list and you can give us your insight as, into each of these categories. Would that be all right? Absolutely. 
Okay, so let's start with alcohol. I mean, I really yeah. like my glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me how much is too much and what do I need to do to, different to make sure it's not causing problems for me? Okay, first of all, I have to give you ladies a huge thank you here. Okay. Because I'm interviewed regularly National Cancer Awareness Month, also American Heart uh, Disease Prevention Month. And whenever you want to talk about alcohol, they say, no, our sponsors won't like it. Oh, okay. Uh, well, because <laughs> well, we don't have any, it's fine. <laughs> Maybe we need a few of those. <laughs> right. Okay. okay. Let's so, talk about alcohol. <laughs> we have had in-depth studies about alcohol for over 50 years, and the original research came from those surgeons removing oral cancers because alcohol was so, you know, really, it, it's the best cause of oral cancers. And now we have found it really is the best cause of breast cancer, starting from the very first drink. Now, that being said, I'm not trying to tell people not to drink alcohol. What I am trying to do is that make sure people can make educated decisions Mm -hmm. and decide what they want to do. So, for instance, if we know that someone is predisposed to breast cancer, then maybe they want to think long and hard, okay? It's been proven. It has a nasty reaction with estrogen. Alcohol has been proven to be a cause of breast cancer. There was a huge study that was released this past July. wonderful researcher from New Zealand. I've had the pleasure of speaking with her many times. Her name is Dr. Jenny Connor. She's out of, as I mentioned, she's out of uh, New Zealand, And she put together thousands of studies on alcohol and cancer. And the title of her study is Alcohol Causes at Least Seven Types of Cancer and Probably More. And all of these are relating to oxidative stress. So if you'd like, I could go through and I could talk about a number of reasons why alcohol is associated with cancer, especially breast cancer. It sounds like we could do a whole show on that. (laughs) I would like that, but the main thing I want to hear right now, because my my heart is is like hurting. (laughs) Um, You know, we, we hear that, you know, alcohol is bad, you know, hard liquor, beer. If you're going to have something, you know, a glass of red wine on occasion is okay. What do you think about that? Because I love my glass of red wine on occasion. And don't misunderstand me. So do I. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Once in a while. Good. I had to get that now, elephant out of the room. Okay. The now go ahead. Go through my head. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, yeah, I do too. Okay. Let's talk about that glass of red wine. The okay. reason it was associated with being good for you, mostly for heart health. First of all, I think we can all think of a lot of heart healthy habits better than drinking alcohol. Okay. But that's besides the point. Okay. Is the resveratrol. Resveratrol is a chemical, an antioxidant inside red wine that is associated with good heart health. Well, do you know how much wine you have to drink? Red wine you have to drink? I can hear the last already to get the benefits of the resveratrol. No, but I'll bet it's a lot. It's about seven bottles. 
Oh, oh goodness. All in one sitting. <laughs> I don't think I drink I seven bottles alive. in two years, but wow. Oh, boy. I think her liver would have something to say about that. Yeah. Okay. I so would again, think so, yeah. eat red but How much? How much does it take to have the harmful effect of how much red wine is that to to actually maybe not to see a benefit, but to see harm? How much red wine is that? Depending on if someone is um, has a hormone receptive positive breast cancer, or in terms of if they don't know they have that, it starts from the very first glass. Oh my gosh. And what Dr. Connor well, that's shares. discouraging. <laughs> it is. Darn it. Darn it. Hey, okay. And you are in Italy pretty soon, and I was going to drink red wine all the way through the country. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I think the way I have I, to look at it, and it sounds like because you drink a little bit of red wine yourself, Shira, um, you know, everything in moderation is how I have to look at things yeah. because I, totally I, I don't know that I will give up red wine or alcohol in general, but I don't drink very much anyway, so it's not a big reach for me. But I know definitely it's important for all of us to probably reduce that intake is what we're saying. And, you know, you use the word moderation. And I think what we have to understand is the term moderation. Okay. So, you know, there's that awful term of social drinking. Everybody thinks they're a social drinker. Right. Okay. And the truth is we have definitions from our governments, from the CDC, from the World Health Organization. I think what Australia is doing in their recommendations is by far the best anywhere in the world. Um, they don't just talk about how much. They talk about how often in a week, how many days there should be in between that glass of wine. Mm-hmm. That, I okay. think, is huge. But the other thing we have to think about with wine is the grapes. There are so many lawsuits going on all over the world, especially in the United States, Napa Valley, in terms of the toxins that are in the grapes. Even from the organic farms, the grapes that have been infected, for lack of a better word, from the grapes growing in from the toxins in soils elsewhere. So that's another thing that we have to look at. Okay, well, I might have to rethink my uh, beverage of choice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I do like water, too. So. Yeah, <laughs> thank goodness. Good. But you know what? I actually experienced that in in a in an interesting way because I went to Napa Valley one time several years ago now, and they had had a fire the couple years before. So the, the grapes that they were bottling actually had a smoky taste to that you could Mm -hmm. tell it was all and it was all their varietals that year because they had had this horrible fire and it was in the ground it was in the soil and the grapes tasted like smoke wow it was fascinating, yeah. It was probably really good too (laughs) okay well before we go on break I have to hit uh, sugar, because I know I'm a sugarholic. That's my problem more than wine. Um, and so let's talk just a little bit about sugar uh, before we go on the next break. And uh, 
and I'll feel bad, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll have a break to get over it. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, sugar is a very aggravating topic because we've had the studies on sugar for many, many years, but a lot of our huge cancer institutions have been saying, um, when we say things like sugar feeds cancer, it's incorrect, don't say it, don't use it. But again, we keep having the studies that are pointing back to it. And again, there was a recent study, Heart and Stroke Foundation came out with a number of institutions, MD Anderson, God bless them, and those studies, they came out with it. It's not really the fat that is affecting our heart and our triglycerides, it's the sugar. And of course, sugar we know contributes to obesity. And fat cells are not just innocent little blobs sitting there. Each one can be thought of as a little active endocrine gland manipulating our hormonal balance. Insulin production, that's a huge one, okay? Mm. Again, it's been proven in many studies sugar is a, I love this, preferred fuel of cancer cells for oncogenesis. In other words, encouraging cancer cells to reproduce. And so it's, you know, as I said, the uh, University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center revealed their research that diets that are high in sugar are a major risk factor for many types of cancer, especially breast cancer, Mm. you know. And we're we're talking about processed sugars, not natural sugars found in fruit, or are they all the same? Okay, certainly when we have the fruit, we're having a lot of fantastic nutrients. We're getting a lot of antioxidants. We're getting a lot of great nutrition, okay? But it's still sugar. So, again, that word of moderation is very important. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, again, my moderation is (laughs) something else's. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If I... One oh. cookie a day, is that my moderation or no? You know what I mean? Well, how big is the cookie, Sharon? <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, it is time for break again. It so is. Yeah. So we, we will um, we will be back in a couple of minutes. But if anybody's listening and they want to have a, they want to call in and ask Shira a question, uh, please give us a call at 866 866- Four seven two five seven nine two, and otherwise, just hang in. We'll be we'll be back in a minute. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. 
Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. We've been talking about oxidative stressors like alcohol and sugar. And I want to talk about sleep and how important sleep is for um, helping your body. Sounds good. Okay. So how many women are short of sleep? I'm sorry? How many women are short of sleep? Oh, probably all of them. Totally (laughs) short of sleep. I I find it so hard sometimes to get to sleep. And then when I finally do and I think, okay, well, I can sleep until whatever. And then I end up getting up four hours later and then I'm exhausted by the end of the day. And I'm not sure why I'm so out of whack on that. But sure would be nice to get that under control. But yeah, let's talk about why why we need it so much. Okay, first of all, just so we know right up front, sleep is an incredible source of oxidative stress, and oxidative stress can cause us to have those sleepless nights. Okay, so again, uh, there are endless studies that tell us that there's a huge relationship between lack of sleep and some of our top cancers in the United States. Unfortunately, breast is at the top of the list, prostate cancer and colorectal cancers. And there's also, as we know, sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when people temporarily can stop breathing in their sleep. They hold their breath for a certain amount of time. And it's believed that a huge amount of the population has sleep apnea. And they have no idea or they don't get it treated. And sleep apnea is associated with an increased risk of any type of cancer. Well, good to know. So, of course, lack of sleep increases that inflammation and oxidative stress. It disrupts immune function. So we talked about, yes, with cancer's turn, hopefully we have the mechanisms to shut those cells down. Well, a healthy immune system needs sleep. Another thing is we've all heard of the hormone melatonin. And, you know, it's produced during sleep. It's vital. And it's also, though melatonin has been proven to have antioxidant properties that help prevent against cellular damage. Well, what's cancer? Cancer is, very simplified, cellular damage. Right. True. Okay. So is that something we should take a supplement for, for having problems sleeping? You know, the problem with supplements is they're not regulated. So mm-hmm. as much as some of them are good, the problem is is that, first of all, a lot of people, because of other things going on, they might not know about, shouldn't be taking certain supplements. What's really important is to make sure that people have good sleep habits. Mm-hmm. You know, what, looking at our cell phones and all our HDTVs is terrible for getting into the right sleep cycle. And let's face it, we all do it. Mm-hmm. Alcohol. Alcohol is very good at helping us fall asleep. We all know that. <laughs> How, however, not stay asleep, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It yeah. stops wow. us from getting into the right stage of sleep. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's that REM sleep that we so need to really get into it's, that healing healing place, exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, okay. okay. All right. So let's talk about smoking because, you know, there, there's some, we all know smoking is bad for us, but there's, from what I understand from our previous list here is there are three levels of smoking. So why don't you explain what that means? Right. So there's first, second, and what most people don't know about is there's third hand smoke. So I, I think it's fair to say we all know what first hand smoking ourselves, second hand breathing in others. Let's talk about third hand. Third hand is, okay, I live in Toronto. It's nice and cold. Well, not nice, but it's cold, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and someone comes into your house, friend comes in, and they've been smoking, and their coat just oh. reeks of cigarette smoke. I yep. hate that. Oh, I don't like that at all. And I know exactly Even what you mean. Even if they butt out before they come in your home, they're bringing in those that third hand smoke, and it mm. sticks to your coats in your coat closet. Mm-hmm. You are getting third-hand smoke. And the wow. carcinogens that have been found in third-hand smoke, you know, just because we think we've gotten rid of the smell does not mean that we have gotten rid of the carcinogenic possibilities. You know, I just always thought of it as just smelling bad. And and sometimes, you know, some people smoke so much that when, like you said, they put out the cigarette, they walk in the door and you almost want to gag because they smell so bad. But I thought it was just a smell. But so you're saying that those particles that are lingering on their clothes that are causing that smell, we're breathing those in, whether we like it or not. Oh, my gosh. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's about- why I don't know. Certain states have done it. They've done it in Toronto. It used to be when people told were told they have to go outside to smoke. Now they've changed the laws that you have to be a certain distance from the building to smoke. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do I think that. We do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not far enough, though. It's only 10 feet, I think. So we should make it yeah. 50. <laughs> I agree. So there's so many of these topics, and I want to get through at least touching on them. So household products, that's probably one, right? Household products is a huge one, and that relates to the concept of endocrine-disrupting chemicals. What are endocrine disruptors? Exactly what we're saying about cancer. They're chemicals that go in and change our endocrine system, that change the way it performs, okay? And it can cause, yes, cells to become... Um, you know, to, to mutate. And if anyone ever wants to look into it, I've had the pleasure of interviewing them. David Suzuki did a huge, wonderful series with great researchers like Bruce Bloomberg, who I believe is at UCLA, and all of these topics on endocrine disruptors. And our household cleaning products are sunscreens that nobody wants to hear but needs to hear. So many products we use are filled with endocrine-disrupting chemicals. Would and you, would you what, define the word endocrine? Because, I mean, we've all heard it, and but I'm, there may be listeners that are going, I've heard that, but I don't know what it is, and I'm one of those. So tell me exactly what endocrine refers to. Our hormone system, our okay. estrogen. And so, for instance, we have um, a problem with we have estrogen mimickers out there. They're known as, and what these are, these are chemicals that imitate 
estrogen. They're called phytoestrogen, okay? And what they do is we know estrogen is a double-edged sword, you know? And mm-hmm. so in many ways, just ask a man. Can't live with and, it. Can't live without it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the problem is if estrogen is uncontrolled, well, that's huge in breast cancer. So we have a lot of phytoestrogens out there which are endocrine disruptors, which upset our hormonal system. And phytoestrogens are chemicals that act like estrogen that can create the same problem in our body of having too much estrogen. So how do we use safe household products? Where do we find them? I know there's probably a number that you can state, but is there a general, just in essence, because of the time that we have left? Is there something, one piece of advice you can tell people? The the, the one that I'd really try and educate people at top of my list is dryer sheets. Okay. The garbage that's in dryer sheets is absolutely awful. Um, a lot of endocrine disruptors. The other one I like to mention here, and again, for an alternative, take some lavender oil, sprinkle some lavender, lavender oil on whatever's going in the dryer, and there you go. You don't have to use those dryer sheets. Um, I know okay. people who put a tinfoil ball in the washing machine, and they, I personally never tried it, but I'm told it's absolutely wonderful. Another really important one is our, if we have a vacuum bag that we have to empty, Household Mm -hmm. dust has more mutagenic and carcinogenic agents in it. So Mm -hmm. I think it merits wearing a geeky mask when we're emptying the dust out of the vacuum bag. Huh. And it sounds like we should vacuum more often, too, and get that stuff (laughs) off our floor. Okay, cool. Wow. Yeah. There's All so right. much there's so much to talk about. Okay, yeah. let's let's hit that ex- exercise one last time before we run out of time for you. Um, sure. because again, I think we need to talk about how that really can especially the strength training, how that really helps with this whole um, oxidative stressor stuff. Yeah. I just want women to know that Strength training and building your muscle mass is probably the very best thing that you can do for your health. I mean, there's so many different reasons for it. First of all, let's remember, we've talked about the immune system a number of times. The immune system does not have a pump. So if we don't have muscles to pump all that good stuff from our immune system, it's not going to get anywhere. It's not going to do its magic. Okay. That makes sense. Second of all, It's our muscles that pick up the sugar from our blood where it's causing problems and brings it into the muscle cells and uses it, okay? So in terms of prevention of diabetes, in terms of prevention of cancer, having strong muscles, yeah, how they look is a great perk. But when I hear women saying, I don't want to strength train. I don't want to get ripped. Oh, my gosh. That should be your biggest problem. Really? No problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the no. least of my problems. That's <laughs> an excuse. To, yeah. yeah. You know, muscles are the best thing in our metabolic equation for burning fat because muscles burn so much more. Yeah. Okay. So you know, I was really? I was talking to Bill Pearl one time. He was a five-time Mister Universe, and he was a member of my Toastmasters Club years ago. And he told me that the reason women worry about that is because they imagine you have to lift tons of weight. 
but you go with lighter weights with more repetitions and that builds the muscle without ripping you. And exactly. so I thought that was really good advice. We're not talking about lifting so much weight we can barely move. We're talking about just, you know, lifting a moderate amount of weight or light weights for a longer period of time. And, you know, that, that's networks too, right? I mean, we don't exactly. have to lift tons of weight. Exactly. Okay. That is very important. And we are down to what, like just another minute, and then we've got to do our close. So, um, Shira, if there's one other thing on this list, um, possibly maybe a cooking strategy. How how's what's the best way to cook our food? Can you talk about that? There's a lot of foods that are very good for us, but unfortunately, the way we prepare them is very not so good at all. So, for instance, oils. I recommend a book by Artemis Simopoulos, The Omega-3 Diet. She goes into great detail of understanding the smoke point of the different oils that we use because we can positively turn our healthy food into um, carcinogenic agents if we cook our oils beyond a certain point. I've heard that. So how do you know what that point is so we stop short of that? Different oils have different smoke points. Um, Olive oil is not one that should be heated up too much. But if we cook with oils like um, canola oil, although there's many that don't approve of canola oil, but coconut oil, avocado oil, those are my two favorites to use. They're absolutely wonderful in terms of not worrying so much about a smoke point. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Well, Well, kiddo, we're out of time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is... You've been a marvelous guest, and this show will be live on our in our host page here in about an hour. So if you if you have someone that missed the show and you'd like to let them know about it, um, go to our host page on Voice America. Just search Breast Friends, and well, you're probably listening on our host page right now, actually. <laughs> but this show will be live, and you can um, send it to, send the link to your friends. So that would be great. So just real quick, how can people get a hold of you, Shira, if they want to reach you? Do you have a website or a yeah, they can reach me at either of my two websites. I have Best in Health Radio or okay. Best in Corporate Health. Both are dot coms. Okay. So there, there's emails there. You're more than welcome to reach out to me. Um, happily answer any questions. So again, Best in Health Radio dot com, Best in Corporate Health dot com. And there's a lot of great articles and information, interviews with different researchers, you know. By all means, go for it. Excellent. Well, we are totally out of time, so we would like to just like remind you, if you like this show, please go to breastfriends.org, click on the big blue button at the top of the page, and consider making a donation um, to Breast Friends. It helps keep this program alive. So that's for all of our listeners out there. And just remember, we will be back next week. And until then, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.